Life moves pretty quickly for all of us, but I can guarantee that it's moved even quicker for Benjamin Kramaski than the average person over the last year. Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Backheeled Show. My name is Joe Lowry, and on today's show, we're diving into one of the surprise names on the USMNT's September roster, Benjamin Kramaski. I recently wrote a piece breaking down his game for Backheeled.com, so go check that out for lots of nice visuals and in-depth analysis. But in the meantime, we're going to get to the cliff notes on today's show ahead of the USMNT's match with Uzbekistan on Saturday that's scheduled to kick off at 5.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Kramaski could feature, even though it's unlikely he could play. And later on in the show, even if he doesn't, we're still going to get to build a USMNT starting 11 for that match against Uzbekistan. So without any further ado, let's get to it and talk soccer. Imagine for a moment that you're an Argentinian kid growing up playing soccer in the United States and all of a sudden Lionel Messi walks through the door and becomes your teammate. Kramaski at 18 years old doesn't have to imagine that reality because he's living it. Born in Miami, Kramaski is an Argentine-American holding dual citizenship with both countries. Now he's less than a year into his pro career but he's already playing alongside one of the greatest of all time. And on top of teaming up with Messi at club level, there's been a stir surrounding Kramaski's international future. He's played for the U.S. at youth level. He's been in a training camp for the Argentine U-20s. And now he's in U.S. men's national team camp after being called up by Greg Berhalter for the U.S.'s September friendlies. That's not a bad series of life-changing moments. A pro contract, time with Messi, a senior U.S. call-up. Even after all those things, to be clear, he is still far from the finished product. It is likely that his status as a dual national played into Greg Berhalter's decision to call him up into this camp, given that his performances in MLS have been promising, but pretty far from demanding national team attention. For the USMNT, then, calling Kramaski is more speculative than anything else, but underneath some potential national team politics is a very talented player. Now, why is that, and maybe where does he still need to improve? Well, let's run through the scouting report. Kramaski is tenacious. Greg Berhalter said this, Quote, he immediately caught my eye for his tenacity and his relentlessness. When you watch Kramaski play, that absolutely holds up. Across 15 MLS starts this year in more than 1,200 league minutes, the 18-year-old very clearly enjoys playing as a box-to-box midfielder. That number eight role is where the USMT's coaching staff sees Kramaski making the biggest impact, at least according to US assistant BJ Callahan when I asked him that earlier this week. The young midfielder's energy and ability to cover ground really helps him stand out while playing with more experienced players for Inter-Miami. And even before they picked up Sergio Busquets and Leo Messi and all of a sudden Kramaski had to do more defensive work, he was still putting miles on his legs. Kramaski's got a good frame, almost six foot, if not more than six foot. He was putting in work earlier this season and still is. He works hard in defensive transition. He tracks back a lot to shut down opposing attacks. He's buzzing around the field almost all the time. Now, when he's on the ball, Kramaski, his biggest asset is his vision, especially in the final third when he can face forward. Kramaski can pick out some really nice through balls. So far this year, he's in the 93rd percentile among MLS midfielders for through balls per 90 minutes, according to FB Ref, with half of a through ball every game. I know that doesn't sound like a crazy amount. That is a lot of through balls, especially for a young kid that's, again, in his first season of professional soccer. There are some lovely passes to his Inter-Miami teammates in that piece I wrote for Backheeled. Go check that out if you want to be enthralled by some nice through balls from a young kid. When he gets further forward, we're talking about passing in the final third, even more aggressive in his positioning than that. 
he can crash the box and grab goals. He has two this season, had a nice goal recently against FC Dallas in the League's Cup knockout rounds from doing exactly that, from crashing the box, finding space, exploiting it aggressively, and finishing off a sequence. Kramaski's ability to crash the box is, is really something that the best of the best in that spot in the world have, which is a promising sign for him as he continues his career. Deeper downfield, Kramaski likes to drive the ball forward out of midfield on the dribble. He's in the 82nd percentile per FB ref for successful take-ons this year. In that way, he kind of reminds me of Yunus Musa, the way that Musa drops a shoulder, kind of skirts the ball around somebody and drives forward with power. There's a lot of skill there as well. Kramaski does a lot of that same stuff, not as well and not nearly as efficiently, but you can see how much he likes to drive forward on the ball. Now, with that being said, Kramaski is not very good passing the ball forward out of pressure. He'll dribble the ball out of pressure rather than pass nine times out of 10. And that's mostly because he's still not comfortable in a 360-degree game in midfield. He's just not quite up to the speed of play yet in his first season in Major League Soccer. He doesn't scan his surroundings enough to find his teammates before receiving the ball. So instead of having that full picture of the field, Kramaski just has fragments, right? He doesn't know exactly what's happening around him. So then Kramaski defaults to dribbling out of pressure rather than passing his way out of it because you can dribble without your teammates. You don't need two people to dribble, right? But you can't pass without another person. You can't complete a pass without another person. So for Kramaski, when he gets on the ball without knowing exactly what's around him, he defaults to trying to dribble out of pressure, which just speaks to his inexperience and the fact that he needs time to be refined. This is why he's not going to be a part of why he's not going to be a walk-in USMNT contributor right away. It's going to take time for him to really get up to the speed of play and quality of both Major League Soccer in a lot of ways and the international level. Now, a few other things that he should improve, really getting comfortable in his frame for Ben Kramaski. Too clunky, right? He's a little too out of control. He looks like he's still trying to find his sea legs after getting on a boat. That's to be expected. Young, 18 years old, larger frame for a midfielder, his center of gravity is a little bit higher. That stuff's just going to take time. But when it does click, if it does click, that's going to transform his game and his effectiveness getting out of tight spots, as will scanning more often. There's a reason why Sergio Busquets, Lionel Messi, his Inter-Miami teammates, the best of the best from the Barcelona years and other top clubs around the world, there's a reason why they scan. They're looking around their surroundings. They're trying to paint a picture of the field so that they can make the best possible decision. Kramaski loses the ball more than almost any other central midfielder in MLS, in large part because he does not paint a picture of his surroundings before getting on the ball in the first place. It's those two things, getting comfortable in his frame and not checking his shoulders enough as he's receiving, that are holding him back from making a huge jump. And instead, he's a pretty spotty, inconsistent, but sometimes brilliant player as he pushes into the attack. Kramaski's talented. He's not a sure thing as a prospect, but he has a really promising foundation right now. Go check out that piece for Backfield for more analysis of his game. I won't lie, I got more excited about Ben Kramaski as I went through and did that analysis. His flaws are very clear, and I just laid them out for you. There's so many things that need to be refined, but that foundation, like I said, is, is really, really promising. Now, to close out this show, let's build a USMNT starting 11 quickly. This mostly picks itself, which is fun. It's fun to have a real core group of players that we can see get better and better. It takes some of the intrigue out of it, but there are still very real things to watch. So here's my starting 11 for the U.S. against Uzbekistan. Matt Turner in goal, Chris Richards and Tim Ream as the two center backs. Miles Robinson then gets the second game, in my mind, against Oman next to Chris Richards. Then you've got Sergino Dest and Jedi Robinson as the two fullbacks. I would like to see... Kevin Paredes, here's one thing, either off the bench in this game or maybe getting a start in the next game. I don't know how likely that is, but I've been really taken by his performances with Wolfsburg. He's not breaking any minds with how he's playing. He's not blowing any minds with how he's playing, but 
He's still doing some good stuff for them off the bench in the Bundesliga, and I think has a very high ceiling, higher than Jedi Robinson's as a left back. I want to see Yunus Musa at the six. I really want that after a promising performance from him over the summer. I think he could be Tyler Adams' chief backup in that spot over this cycle. And Adams, of course, is unavailable with injury. I want to see Weston McKenney and either Brendan Aronson or Malik Tillman as the two number eights. McKenney's an obvious lock. The other two, I don't have a strong preference, but I want to see one of them in that role. And then Christian Pulisic, Tim Weah, and Faloran Balogun, obviously, as the number nine. I want more data on Balogun. I want to know how he does when he's on the ball. I want to know more of how the ball is getting to him with this core group of players around him. There are some questions there, but Balogun's talent is undeniable, and I'm pumped to see more of him in a U.S. MNT jersey. It's going to be a fun couple of games. Not the highest level of opposition for the U.S. men's national team, but it'll be good to see what Greg Berhalter has been cooking up in his time away from the team and how the team continues to evolve. That's it for this episode of the Backheel Show. If you enjoyed, check out backheel.com for more American soccer coverage. One quick note before we leave, no shows next week. I'll be traveling and on vacation for the first time in quite some time. Stay tuned to backheel.com, though. There will be plenty of coverage going up over there over the next week. Thanks again for listening, everybody, and we'll be back again soon. (laughs) 